Hi friends, and welcome to The Wellness Hive. I'm your host, Brianna. Today is a little bit of an emotional episode for me, so bear with me as I get through it. I was excited thinking about what I wanted to cover for you all, and then I received some really terrible news. It fell in line with today's topic, but kind of in the saddest way possible. I really wanted to dig a little bit deeper on the topic of recovery. That word is all-encompassing, I know, and it can mean so many different things. When I think about recovery, I think about literally how we recover from poor choices, from setbacks, from bad things happening, from stress, from anxiety, and other factors that may fall under that umbrella. Whether it be recovery in the moment or recovery extended years down the road, And I guess that would depend on the severity of the thing you might be recovering from, right? Just a little background so you know where I'm going with this. I have my master's degree in counseling. I was a school counselor for a long time and worked in a middle school in Fairfax County before transitioning to my current role as director of the counseling department at a middle school in Arlington. In my role as counselor, I developed some strong relationships with kids. I still keep in touch with them and one in particular. She sent me a text last week and asked if I remembered another student that I worked with when I was at the school in Fairfax County. Of course I remembered him. He was the kid that you literally never forget. If you work or ever worked in education, you know what I mean. He's the kid that gave you all the gray hairs. He was the one that drove everyone absolutely nuts and he had a lot of behavioral issues, but he was sickeningly smart. He was witty, he was charming, he could really do whatever he wanted if he could only get his shit together. I remember talking about him in team meetings with the teachers I worked with at the time and even looked back at my counseling notes from all those years ago. Definitely still have them. We had a behavior plan set up for him. I met with him weekly and reported back to teachers on his progress. We met with his mom multiple times. We poured into him hoping it would steer him in the right direction. We spent so many hours trying to come up with ways to support him and eventually he left us and transitioned to high school. That was really the last time that we connected. Over the years, I asked around to see how he was doing and it sounded like things hadn't really improved. He was still the same super smart kid making really poor choices. Well, I learned recently that he committed a crime that would change his entire life forever. And it made me wonder, how does he recover from this? How will he come back from this? He's still young and will most likely spend the rest of his young adult and middle-aged adult life in prison. So what happens now? My heart breaks for him. I'm really saddened by all of this and it just makes me think about all of us How do we spring back to a healthy existence after something bad happens to us? Of course, not everyone will have the same experience that I'm describing with my former student. It's definitely an extreme case, but I am certain that we all will experience setbacks, whether they are self-inflicted or imposed upon us, it's inevitable. So what happens after that? I personally really struggled with this in the past, the idea of this, I mean, and sometimes I still do. When things happen or I foresee something that may not work out, it really gets in my head, like totally messes me up. At first, I couldn't really describe what was happening or why even. I just knew that it was hard for me to really think about things in a rational way in those moments. 
So I decided to look into this some more. I researched a little and came across an article posted on Psychology Today by Guy Winch, a licensed psychologist, keynote speaker, and author. It was definitely informative, so I encourage you to go ahead and give it a read. I'll add a link to the article in my bio for those who are interested in uh, also digging a little bit deeper, so check it out on my Instagram page. But in this article, Guy Winch states, small psychological injuries can have big impacts. We all know failures are demoralizing, but what we don't realize is they constitute a form of psychological injury in that they literally distort our perceptions and thus set us up to fail again. That got me thinking about perception versus reality. How many times do things happen and we automatically catastrophize the issue? We immediately think the entire world is ending and that there's nothing we can do. Our brain starts to play tricks on us. It's interesting, really. All of this keeps us from seeking solutions to problems. And for those of us who aren't able to just shake it off, it causes us to continue to relive and experience all of those setbacks over and over and over again. Guy goes on to list the primary reason this happens. He says, failure distorts our perceptions of our abilities such that we feel less up to the task or less capable of reaching a goal than we actually are. Wow. So in the midst of a problem or a setback, we literally forget that we actually are capable of recovery or moving forward. We feel less equipped to manage conflict or issues in general, which cause us to relive the experience or live in the space of perceived failure. It becomes cyclical. He also says that failure distorts our perception of the goal itself, such that it seems further out of reach. I found this one interesting too. My take is that as we experience setbacks, it feels like we're less capable of really reaching our full potential. We feel hopeless and unable to manage, cope, succeed, or achieve. Well, shit. Reading this made me reflect on the many times that I completely freaked out when in the midst of a problem. I honestly felt like I couldn't manage. And it definitely makes a lot more sense now that I'm looking into this a little bit more. His third point is, failure makes us believe that whether we succeed or not is out of our control. Now, I'm not going to lie, this one freaked me out and was probably the point that had me thinking the most about the student I was telling you about earlier. And honestly, it had me thinking about all the students I work with every day in addition to my own personal ways of managing setbacks. The one thing I say to my students, well, and to myself, honestly, on repeat is that no one can control your behavior but you. We are the only ones who can control what we say, what we do, how we respond, and ultimately how we recover, right? I mean, that's what I've always learned and what I've been told. But what if in the midst of a setback or a struggle or a problem, our brain is telling us that we in fact do not have control? What if our brain is telling us that failure is not, is guaranteed? Then what? That's kind of scary to think about, that we don't have control over our actions in those moments. And Guy Winch finishes this portion of the article by saying, taken together, we're likely to feel hopeless and stuck, which is why so many of us give up after failure or perform poorly if we do or must persist. So then what's the answer? If we feel hopeless or stuck, 
or we feel like we just have to give up. I continued reading Guy's article searching for an answer of some sort. I mean, really, this is deep, and I keep thinking, what can we actually do to solve this problem? The idea that our thoughts and emotions spiral out of control almost makes me feel hopeless in this moment because it's the imbalance in our emotions and brain that keep us from being able to access our resiliency skills to overcome setbacks and stress. How do we regain that control? How do we balance out our emotions so we can step back and see realistic solutions to our problems? I read on in Guy's article and was surprised to read that self-care is a step in the right direction. Well, shit, guys, this is all I've been talking about for the last two weeks. And ultimately, it just solidifies why self-care is so incredibly important. We need to prioritize ourselves and encourage self-care all the time. This means doing it not just when we're feeling stressed, but doing it as a routine and a way of life, literally all the time. That way, we can access those rational thoughts in moments of distress or panic or at a time when we just need to make really good, smart choices. In the article that I'm referencing, Guy lists examples of situations where we may need to think rationally to access solutions and recover. He talks about issues that may come up at work, stress about your love life, failed diets and nutrition. This can really be applied to every facet of our lives. While looking into this, it made me think of something minor that happened to me last week. It didn't even occur to me at the time that this situation was something that required resiliency until reading about this some more and reflecting on my own life and hurdles that I've faced. And also thinking about how I respond to things now versus how I would have responded to those same things in the past. So last week, as I was preparing to teach a bar class, I logged in to the app that I use to play my music. I store every playlist in this app. They are transferred from Spotify and I go in and I spend an hour mixing every single playlist. I'm kind of particular about my music, so when I create a playlist, I really take time to make sure that I like the way each song transitions, how the beat per minute changes from song to song, and how it correlates from movement to movement that I'm teaching. I had about 15 playlists playlists saved in the app at the time. Well. There was apparently a glitch in the app and I wasn't aware and didn't have time to look into it because my class was starting in about 10 minutes. So I thought maybe if I delete and add the app back to my phone, that would solve the problem. That's worked with other apps in the past. Well, that definitely did not solve the problem. When I opened the app, I was able to log back in, but discovered that every single playlist that I had curated was gone. Not one was saved. So at this point, I have five minutes before I need to teach. My heart completely sank, not just because I was running out of time, but because this meant hours of time working on playlists had been completely wasted and thrown away. My initial thought was to burst into tears. Honestly, that tends to be my first reaction when I'm super frustrated or really angry. But I decided that I would just keep pushing forward. I pulled up a playlist from Spotify, reviewed it quickly, uh, set up my class, and just kept it moving. Since then, the glitch has been fixed and all is well. However, a few things that I thought about in this situation. I could have completely lost my shit, for real. I could have walked out feeling like there was no solution, but instead, I did some self-talk to calm my nerves and 
to walk back from the ledge. After class, I was fully prepared to burst into tears, but I was actually okay. It didn't feel as badly as I thought I would given the circumstance. I tried one last time to see if I could recover any of my music, but no dice. So I'm starting from scratch. Listen, I know that this situation may not seem like such a big deal, but for me, it definitely was impactful. I'm all about control and consistency. If something doesn't go right, I tend to have anxiety about it. If you know me, you know that I can spiral out of control in my thoughts. So I was pretty proud of myself for this one. Instead of having a complete and utter meltdown, I thought about all the new playlists that I can make. Either way, it's fine because this shit isn't life or death and it's okay. And fortunately, I'm able to keep the big picture in mind these days. But seriously though, I'm not so sure I would have had the same reaction a few years ago. Maybe even just a year ago, maybe a few months ago, if I'm being honest. I've taken a lot of time to focus on self-care and self-love. It has been my number one goal, mainly because I knew how much I needed to. And I'm finally starting to see it pay off in these little moments. I feel less anxious, less hopeless, less ready to go off half-cocked when something doesn't work out for me. I know that the idea of self-care can seem silly, trivial, or even selfish. But guys, this can be life or death. It can be life or death. My former student was too busy repaying, replaying that narrative of failure and self-doubt in his head that in a moment where he needed to be smart and make a good choice, he chose to commit a crime that would change his life in the worst way possible. Our brain, if we let it, is fully prepared to throw us into full-on survival mode when shit goes down. We need to gain control of our feelings, emotions, and actions. We cannot replay failure in our head. My final quote from the article by Guy Winch is, the bottom line is there are always ways we can take control of a situation even when we initially believe we cannot. This is an area in which our mind's way of responding to failure and setbacks is misleading and potentially damaging. We have to override the defeatism we feel and find ways to assert control. That alone will help us move forward. My takeaway completely is that we have to take care of ourselves. Think about the last time that you did something just for you or the last time that you looked in the mirror and uttered a kind word to yourself and meant it. You need to empower yourself. That is how you start to build that strength within and the resiliency to push through in moments of utter distress. I read a quote recently that said, and if I asked you to name all the things that you love, how long would it take for you to name yourself? I know you're probably thinking, okay, what does that have to do with setbacks and overcoming obstacles? Well, listen, loving yourself and knowing your strength, knowing your capability all the time is so crucial. It allows you to really tackle those moments of frustration, the fear that you feel in your heart when things just aren't working out your way. And this quote seriously was real for me. 
I think about all the things I love all the time, but it never occurred to me that I myself should be on the list. So I'm going to leave you with that to ponder over. Create a list for yourself, all your favorite things, all the things that bring you joy, all the things you love, whatever kind of list you want to call it, create the list, but make sure that you are the first thing on it and truly mean it. Feel free to leave some feedback about how this feels for you creating this list. And I also would love to hear about the exercise I shared in last week's episode about forgiveness and uh, creating a positive list for either someone or something that was really grinding your gears. And remember that forgiveness is also a huge part of self-care relinquishing all of that negativity so that you can be light and free and float through the world. Okay, friends, thank you so much for tuning in. Check back next week with another episode from The Wellness Hive.